and then we'll uh, skip down to verse 14, and then we'll, uh, we'll pray, we'll get into the message this evening. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And skip down to verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Oh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you tonight, and we just want to thank you, dear Lord, for the, for the great opportunity and privilege that we have to be able to gather together in the middle of the week. Oh, Lord, in spite of uh, Lord, perhaps uh, the circumstances of life, Lord, and, and just the different challenges of life, we're able, Lord, to gather, able to call out to you, able to, Lord, put up our petitions to you. And we're thankful for that. Thankful indeed that we can also open your word and, and glean upon it and look, uh, look to you, dear God. And I do pray that you'd help us as we, uh, Lord, learn tonight. I pray that you'd, you'd just remind us of some things that uh, perhaps will comfort our hearts, will, will motivate us for the rest of the week, will, will change us indeed, uh, Lord, because it's your truth. And so I pray that you'd just be honored and pleased as we, we gather, as we meet in your word this evening. And then later on as we pray, in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name, amen. And we've been going through a bit of a series on, um, on who God is, and last week we looked at God the Father, and so this week uh, we're going to look at God the Son, and I think sometimes uh, more than one of them, uh, the, the, one of the three persons of the, the Godhead is credited with a, with a particular role, uh, but I think as you, as you go through Scripture, there are also some clear delineations as far as, uh, as, far as their, their differing roles. And last week, we looked at the, the role of God the Father as the Creator, as the Lord, as the King, as, uh, as the Father. And tonight, we're going to do the same thing with the Son, um, Jesus Christ. And uh, what unique or, or personalized roles does He fill in the Godhead? That's what we're going we're gonna to ask and, and hopefully answer a little bit tonight. And as you read through the scriptures, you understand that there's many things in the Word of God that's revealed about the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, indeed, we could do a whole series of lessons uh, for a lifetime on what the Bible says Jesus does for us and is for us. And tonight, we're gonna, not going to do that for the sake of time. Um, we're going to narrow it down a little bit to, to some basic categories or functions that Jesus does and is. And I'm going to start here in John chapter 1, where we see that the Son is the Word. He's the Word, and He's given that title in, the, uh, in our passage here, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you understand that, that, um, that when, when it speaks about Jesus is the Word, this is speaking about the fact that this was, this was God, um, God made audible. And you understand that, that Jesus was incarnated into this world. He was, the, the Bible told us there that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And you, you, ever, you ever really thought about what that means? It, it means this, that there, there were, there's, there's places in the world, and there's a place in the world in, in, uh, around Israel and all of that different places there 
where literally the voice of God was heard in the person of the Son, Jesus Christ. You could, if you were able to, um, you, could, you could buy a ticket to Israel and you could meet with a group of believers and they could take you to different places, places that still exist today. But, but he literally spoke the words that we read in the Gospels in those places. And so when we, we, we think about how Jesus is the Word, it's really uh, in this sense also that, that it was God made audible. And we know that there were some times in the Old Testament where, where uh, God spoke, and there were times even in the Gospels where, where it was God the Father speaking. We spoke about that a little bit last week. But much of, of, of what was spoken and much of what was heard and then what was recorded as far as what words were said by God came through the mouth and the lips of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son. And so He was God made audible. And, and if you go through Scripture, the, the, the great subject matter and theme of Scripture is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Son. Um, you, could, you could look at every book in the Bible and every passage in the Bible, and, and if you were to, to look at and study it out, there would be a, there would be a, a, a picture and there would be a type and there would be a, a, an explicit reference to the Son of God. And I, I love hearing preaching and, and I marvel at times at preachers who, who can go through Scripture and see the types of Christ. And, and that's one of the, my, my most favorite things to, to listen to is just preachers who exalt the Son. Exalt Jesus Christ. And He is, in fact, the very subject and the very theme of the Scriptures. Um, Jesus was and is God's mind. In Christ, we see God's will, God's intent. Um, God physically manifested. And, and so as you, you think about this, um, if you want to know God and how He would be if you were around Him, you just need to look at the Son. You need to just look at how Jesus was as he, as he went around and was here on earth for those 33 years. And you, you can understand much more about who God is. Okay? And, and the Son is the Word in the sense that we see God's mind. We see His will. We see His intent. He's, he's, he's physically manifested. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 1.3, Referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. So notice that, and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power. And so He is the word. The Son is the word. But then we also note, secondly, this, um, this evening, that the Son is the Savior. He's the Savior. And I'm, I'm so glad that He's the Savior. I'm so glad that He willingly laid down His life was a perfect sacrifice for my sins. And, and He came for the express purpose of seeking to save that which was lost. And the reality is the Son had to be the Savior and needed to be the Savior because we needed saving. We needed that. We could not save ourselves. We couldn't, we couldn't follow the law as we learned a couple of weeks ago. And there was no hope in the law. It was a, it was a law unto death. It condemned us. And yet the Lord Jesus came and He fulfilled the law and became a perfect sacrifice 
and therefore became the only Savior that we could turn to. And so we see that the Son is the Savior. In Matthew 1.21, in that pronouncement of, of Jesus, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. There's no other name that's given whereby we can be saved but the name Christ Jesus. And so it's only through Jesus, the Savior, can we be saved. And it was even pronounced there at His birth. The name Jesus literally means Savior. Right? The, the one who saves, in, and this title describes so much of the Jesus that is revealed in Scripture. You think about all of His titles. It really references and in, in type gives us the, 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 the clear picture and the clear understanding that He is the way. He is the door, uh, the Bible says. He's the life. All right? He's the Redeemer. He's the living water. He's the bread of life. Okay? He's the propitiation. He's the Lamb of God, and etc., etc. It's all referring to his, his, his saving ability as the Savior. And, and tonight, that's, that's, we're recipients of that if we're saved. If, we, if there was a time we called on Jesus Christ, it was to save us. And so we see the Son in Scripture is the Savior. And, and I hope that's something that we, uh, we often reflect on. You know, sometimes, sometimes we can grow cold because we forget that, that we have a Savior. We, we sort of leave our, our salvation, leave the Gospel at the beginning of our story when really it should take us through our story. He's the Savior. And I hope you're thankful for your Savior tonight. It was the Son. All right, the Son is the Savior. And thirdly, this evening, we see that the Son is the archetype, meaning He was the first. All right, in Galatians 4.19, the Bible tells us, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Now, the Apostle Paul was a, was a, great, a great Christian. God used him. God, um, God used him to... To, to spread the gospel. And yet Paul, even as he said, follow me, he, he, he added an addendum to that, as I follow Christ. He's saying, I'm not the pattern. And you understand, Paul was greatly used of God to, to, uh, to write Scripture, to give us the, the, the New Testament as we, as we see it, wherewith we base our faith, base our practice. And yet we understand here in his, in his desire for those that were following him that it wasn't that he would be formed in them. He said, until Christ be formed in you. And that gives us a, just gives us a, a glimpse into what is right. And it's this, that the Son is the archetype. That, that we shouldn't look at ourselves as, as, we, as if we just have to reproduce ourselves in another person's life. And, and sometimes we define discipleship that way but really, discipleship is this. It's producing Christ in another person's life. We're supposed to produce Christ. We're supposed to, we're supposed to see Christ formed in that person. Whilst we can transfer our own and give ourselves over to, to, uh, to investing in another person's life, we're not just making them like us. We need to make them like Christ. Because we need to be like Christ. He's the pattern. 
And, and see, we see that the Son is the archetype, okay? He's the, the first one in a series. He's the original. And, and, you know, people at times often have trouble relating to God the Father. There's sometimes a picture of Him as remote and stern or forbidding or, or seated on a throne. And yet many times when, when people think about God, they think about Christ. You know why? Because he, was, he dwelt among us. He knew our pains and our sorrows. He, he bore all of that. And, and he, he, he went through all of that in, a, in this sinful world and yet was without sin. But he knew our pains. He knew how it was to hunger. He knew that, but, but he, he, was a, he, was a, he was the original. Okay, people often have trouble relating to the Holy Spirit. They somewhat picture Him as a force, like gravity, or as a ghost, or as a wind that moves you. But everybody relates to Jesus. In Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And, and you know, the, the reason why we, we have no sin he's, is because one who was perfect lived without sin and his righteousness was imputed on us. That's why we have righteousness. But it was a, it's a reflection. You know, the, the good things that happen in your life that Paul was right in saying, in me dwelleth no good thing. And listen, that's true of all of us. The only good thing in our lives is the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he's the one. If you ever do anything for the cause of Christ, it's because of Him. If we ever reflect good character, it's not because we've worked ourselves to that. No, no, it's, it's Christ being formed in you. Praise Him. And I'm, I'm glad for Bible preaching. I'm glad for all of that that He uses. I'm glad for for those that, that correct at times and, and use the Word of God skillfully. But, but in the end, it, it's not me, it's not you, it's Christ. It's Him. He's the archetype. He's the one that we need to follow. He, he's the one that, that shows us how to, uh, how to be and how to be, uh, how to be uh, pleasing to, the, to, to God. And you understand that He was the physical embodiment of everything you and I are to be and do. I don't know if you remember this, but I know this was really big back when I was a young person. Uh, they were selling a lot of those WWJD bracelets and all of that and, and, and whatever. It was just a, a money-making scheme, really. But, but, you know, that WWJD, what would Jesus do? And, uh, you know, I think they have wrong applications but the fact that the acronym exists explains it. You know, people relate to and can, can see in, in Scripture, they can relate to the Son of God. He's the archetype. He, he's the one that we look to. And I, 1 Peter 2.21, the Bible tells us, For even hereunto you were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, and He says, leaving us as an example, that ye should follow His steps. And we need to follow the Son as the archetype, as the original in a series. You know, the very name Christian, little Christs. 
you know, I'm glad for, for different, different men of God that God has used in my life. And in some ways, when I reflect on me, I see bits of them. But you know who I most want to see? I want to see Christ in me. I want Him. I want myself to decrease and He has to increase. And that ought to be our great desire. You know, we can look to other people and we can look at that and go, boy, I'd love to emulate them. But, but, but can we just make our priorities straight? Because the Son is the archetype. He's the one that we ought to desire to be like. He's the one that we ought to lift up in our lives as a, as a prime example of how we ought to live. And, and the, the Bible tells us, until Christ be formed in you. And so the Son is the archetype. And, and then fourthly, go, go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, look at verse 11. So he's the Word. He's the Savior. He's the archetype. And then fourthly, he want to bring out in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf cometh, coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. Then notice what he says in verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of them. And so we see here that the son, he's also the shepherd. And, and, and you know, we, we often see him as the, as the lamb. But understand that he, he's the shepherd. He takes care of us. Uh, I love the psalm, Psalm 23. In verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, um, and, and you, you see all of the, the, the comforting thought of the son is the shepherd. And, and the shepherd is there to meet the needs and to look after the sheep. And I'm glad because I'm a sheep. I, I'm, I'm sheep. And we're sheep in, in his pasture. But he meets our needs. He meet, meets our needs physically. Uh, he meets our needs financially. He meets our needs emotionally. He meets our needs spiritually. He meets our needs mentally. And I'm, I'm glad for that, uh, for that verse in verse 14. He says, and, and he knows his sheep. But also this, I'm known of them. See, the son, is, as the shepherd, he's not unreachable. He's around. His presence is felt. And we go through life, and, and at times we can feel alone in, in the different challenges of life, in our burdens, but we have a shepherd who's leading us. We have a shepherd who's caring for us, and, and we see him meeting those needs. And, and, and can I just say tonight that, that really uh, we can belong to other flocks, but to belong in his flock, boy, that's a great thing. I, I'm just in the best flock. I just love the fact that we have Jesus as our shepherd. And, you know, I'm, I'm exceedingly, exceedingly, exceedingly well cared for, well cared for because of our shepherd. And he said it there. He said, I shall not want. You know, really, because we have Jesus, I have zero need. Um, I lack nothing because I have him. 
And because of how, my, my, how good my shepherd is, he's the good shepherd. And, and you, you think about all of the, uh, the, the desperate millions and billions out in the world trying to look for peace, trying to look for guidance. And, and, and in a little while, we'll think about those, those billions. We'll think about our neighbors. We'll think about those that are, are still, still need Christ as their Savior, certainly. But they also need Jesus as their shepherd. They just need guidance in life. They need provision. And they need Christ. And, and, and I, I just, you know, when you're in a good thing, you just want to tell people about it. You know, it's amazing uh, how, how ladies, when you find a good product, you just want to tell all the other ladies, right? You just, just want to tell them, oh boy, I, I found this, it's, it's, it's on sale even. But you know, sometimes, sometimes we, we just don't realize we've got the good shepherd, we're in the best flock. And we fail to tell others who are desperately looking for, for some sort of nourishment, some sort of care in a desperate world. And we forget that we have the son who's a, who's a shepherd. Uh, there's a, a fellow by the name of Philip Keller who was a shepherd himself, and he wrote a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And he says this, speaking of a shepherd who, was, who has prepared green pastures. He says this, It is all indicative of the unrelenting energy and industry of an owner who wishes to see his sheep satisfied and well-fed. It all denotes my shepherd's desire to see my best interests served. His concern for my care is beyond comprehension, really. At best, all I can do is to enjoy and revel in what he has brought into effect in my life. And because of the fact that the Son is your Savior, He's also your shepherd, which means we can come under His dominion, we can come under His care. We can come under His watch care. We can come under His, His provision. And yet so often as sheep do, we try to look elsewhere for greener pastures. And boy, that's a mistake. We're in the best flock. Just remember that. Ne- next time you, you, the, the world tries to allure you, just, just know this, you've got the best flock because you've got the good shepherd. And the son... The Son is the shepherd. Then fifthly, we see tonight, we see that the Son is the bridegroom. And in 2 Corinthians eleven two, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And there's going to be that, that, that great day, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And you understand that we as the church... We're the bride, but He is the bridegroom. We are to be in union with Him one day. In Revelation 19.7, the Bible tells us, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. And I wonder today, I wonder today if we have that mentality, are we making ourselves ready? You know, all that the bridegroom does, is to prepare His bride. He makes all conditions, all of the things that are in our lives, it's for our readiness. 
It's for that time where we will meet our loved one. And we have been and are being prepared to be His eternal companion. All that, that He allows into our lives is for that purpose. It's to purify us. It's to get us ready. And I don't know if you've ever, ever observed a bride. Boy, she's busy. Boy, she's making sure she's just eating all the right things. Boy, she's making sure that she's on some sort of fitness regime. She's just making sure that she's not, uh, she's not overly stressed. She enlists the help of others to, to in, ensure that, that all of the, the plans for that big day is going to be, it's going to be uh, all taken care of. And, and she looks after herself. She makes sure she doesn't uh, overdo some things. And she's just getting ready. She makes sure that that dress is the right one, is the perfect one. And, and, and she comes in for several fittings of that dress. You know why? She's, she's excited. She's, she's, just, she's doing all she can to be ready for her bridegroom. And you know, that's the mentality we're supposed to take as Christians. And yet, sometimes we carelessly wade through life. Like there's no better future than now. But we have a great future. The bridegroom awaits. And the son is the bridegroom. See, the Bible tells us in, in Ephesians chapter 5, that great passage, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And I wonder if we're sensitive to that in our, in our practice, in our, uh, in our walk with God. Are, are we sensitive to, to being holy, to growing in holiness? You know, that's not something that, that we often hear about. It's, it's either unheard of or misdefined. But, but holiness... It's the hallmark of God. It's his, it's, his, it's his great character. And the Bible commands us to be holy as He is holy. And, and there, in all of the things, sometimes He allows some, some testing. He, he allows those things to purify us. He, he certainly uses the, the water of the Word to, to cleanse us. And all of that He, he brings so that He can present Himself a glorious church, a glorious bride. And if you're saved tonight, that's you and I. There will be a, a glad day when we're there with our, with our beloved. And he's, the son is the bridegroom. But then lastly and quickly, the son is the judge. He's the judge. And uh, Revelation chapter 20, if you turn there with me. Uh, we, we're going to... Look at this one, this here, the, the great white throne. And we see that the Father, so we, we thought about the Father last week. The Father is the judge of all the earth. In verse 11, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, another book was opened, with the, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And so in, as, we, as we go through Scripture, we understand that the Father is the judge of all the earth. He's the judge of all the earth. And there will be a great judgment one day. 
But understand this also. The son judges too. But he judges the Christian. See, it's the, the judgment seat of who? Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And so we're going we're gonna to stand before the Son one day and He will be our judge, not to judge us whether we're going to go in or, or not, but to judge us for what we've done in this body, what we've done with our time here on earth. And that's a, that should be a sobering thought tonight. That the one who laid down your, his life for you, that bore all of our sins and our iniquities, will be the one, the, the one who's our beloved, the one who loved us much, will be the one judging what we've done here on earth. The son is the judge. And in the final analysis, he's the one we're going to answer to. You know, all those times that, that we wasted, all those times where we, we resisted Him, all those times where we, we, we weren't bold for Him, all those times where we were, we were conceited and pride, uh, pr- uh, prideful, He's going to judge that. And in the final analysis, he's the, the one who will determine whether w- the works we've done are, are unacceptable or satisfactory. He's going to be the one that's going to say wood, hay, or stubble, or gold and silver and precious stones. And um, we're not the judge. You know, we, we certainly can't look at each other and go, oh, that's, they're wood, hay, and stubble for sure. <laughs> we're not the judge. He's the judge. And we're going to stand before Him one day. We're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And that, I don't know, if that's not enough motivation for us to live right and do right, I'm not sure what is. If, that's, if, if the, the fact that the Son is going to be our judge in that day, the one who loved us much, the one who gave Himself for us, I don't know what else to, to tell you tonight. But we see all of those things about the Son. And, and we could go on and on tonight, but we won't. And, and uh, again, I hope that, that we take the time each day to just thank, thank God for the Son. He's our, he's our Savior. He's the Word. He's a he's bridegroom. He's the judge. And he's a good shepherd. And I hope that, that we just... We can just revel in in all that He is and all that He does. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before You tonight. And Father, certainly thank You for loving us so much that You sent Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, to be born of a virgin, Lord, to live a perfect life, and then Lord, to be the perfect sacrifice on the cross of Calvary for our sins. I'm thankful that he was willing to lay down his life for ours. I'm thankful, Lord, that throughout our lives he guides us. And then one day as we look to that joyful day, we'll see him as our, our loved one.
the bridegroom awaiting, Lord, the glorious bride. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to see all of that and, and appreciate, Lord, all that our Savior, the Son, Jesus Christ, has done for us. And I pray that you'd, you'd do a work in our hearts as we head into the rest of the week to, to recognize uh, that one day, as Christians, we'll stand before the judgment seat of the Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to live with, with great, Lord, with great uh, trembling, Lord, with, with a great um, outflow of, of passion because of that. I pray that you just do a work in our hearts. And Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name.